Welcome to Eric's Perspective. Joining me today is the fabulous artist, Richard Wyatt. Richard, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, it's my pleasure. It really is a pleasure to have you. Oh, it's totally my pleasure. <laughs> excellent, excellent. <laughs> so, Richard, I thought we'd get started by maybe talking about how you got interested in art in the first place, perhaps as a child or whenever it happened. Yeah, that's pretty much where it all began. I was nine years old, and uh, I was the kid that used to draw on my homework and size of the paper and stuff like that. And finally, my uh, third grade teacher uh, told my parents, you know, at a parent-teacher conference that, you know, Richard, you know, he draws a lot, but he's really pretty pretty good. So you should think about really encouraging that. And thank God my parents did because they really encouraged me doing that, you know. And so, you know, I just had this love, love affair with art. I would do, you know, comic book drawings and all that stuff. And at that same age, around 9 or 10 years old, uh, you know, I was interested because I had gone to, you know, museums and stuff and I've seen Picasso's and Rembrandt's and you know kind of like a lot of um, artists who were contemporary or mainstream but I was really concerned I says were there any you know at that time it was Negro artists it was, wasn't even you know black or African American <laughs> right and so um, I went to the library in Compton because that's where I grew up until 1971 and I went to the library and the librarian says, no, I don't have any books, but I'll bring you my own personal book. And she brought me this beautiful book, and it had Romare Bearden and Elizabeth Catlett, Jacob Lawrence, and I turned the page to Charles White, and that did it. Oh, At wow. that moment, that was the moment that I decided to become an artist, you know. Yeah. And come to find out years later that the librarian was actually somehow related to Alonzo and Dale Davis. No kidding. Yeah. So, so you talk about <laughs> what what a fortuitous thing, and we should let it everybody really was. know. We should let everybody know that Alonzo and Dale Davis both are artists and also started the Brockman Gallery exactly some years ago. And uh, oh yeah, so yeah. It's, it's great how that you know. But that's all. I'll tell you another circle. another part of that that I find so encouraging to hear is that the librarian shared with her share, share with you rather her own. Book. It wasn't just, she wasn't limiting you to what was in the library. Well, yeah, you know, I was pretty enthusiastic about it, and she probably sensed, you know, my seriousness at such a young age, too. You know? Exactly. You were nine, you said, Oh, right? yeah, nine yeah. years old. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so um, uh, from there, you know, I was doing Charles White work and stuff, and he was like my hero uh, then and even till today. And... Uh, what happened is, is, and I had actually had a chance to meet him and work with him later on in my teenage years, too, in terms of being my mentor and everything. But no I'll, kidding. I'll, but I'll, I'll get to that. Okay. Um, so moving to 1968, still drawing, and, you know, and I entered this uh, event called the Watts Chalk Inn. And it was in Watts, and it was an event on the street in Watts, you know, so it was like actually my first public art piece literally in the street. No know? kidding. And yeah. from the title, it sounds like it involved a drawing in, with chalk. Yeah, Is it, that correct? It was chalk. Yeah. Uh, chalk drawing. And they invite, invited people from all over the city, you know, not just the direct Watts community from, you know, citywide. Ah. And um, so what happened is, is I won for the children's category and I also won for the best of the show. Oh, wow. And so it, it just took off from there. Do you remember what it was that you drew? Yeah, it was a picture of Dr. Martin Luther King. Oh, wow. And um, it was myself, and uh, I remember Varnett Honeywood being it as well, too. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Varnett yeah. was a part of it. Yeah, because 
myself and Barnett were invited to this TV program where we kind of reproduced the images. Uh-huh. It was like a local uh, TV program, and, and they came to us in between breaks. I think it was like a movie of, you know, of the week <laughs> kind of program. you know. So And so then after that, uh, shortly after that, I'd start going to the um, Watts Towers, uh, uh, well, Studio Watts Workshop in, uh, in Watts, which is like close to um, uh, Watts Towers Art Center. And so, um, so I went there, and um, I met John Otterbridge. He was the very first real actual artist that I met, and he established a rapport uh, with my parents and Mary and I, and he kind of, in a sense, took me under his wings and introduced me to a lot of artists, and and consequently, I got included in a lot of shows. I was always like the kid in the in the in the show. So you know, and John was, I. Was the director of the uh, Watts Towers at the time, right? Uh, he no, no actually not. not. It was Curtis Tan. Oh, okay. Yeah, Curtis Tan, and then it's, uh, well, Curtis Tan goes back to 1965. Okay, because I used to go there a lot uh, when I was a kid too, back when I was nine. Oh, okay. And it was that's when the Watts Towers Art Center was just a house. Oh, no kidding! <laughs> it wasn't a building; it was just a house. Uh-huh. And so, um, uh huh. And so, John, you know, like I say, he introduced me to a lot of people, and I started getting included in a lot of shows. Because there weren't a lot of venues at that time for you know black artists or any artists of color. Sure. And so uh, the venues included places like parks or uh, churches or school gyms, you know. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I met uh, Claude Booker and Cecil Ferguson, you know, co-founders of the Black Arts Council. Yes. And that's when things really start taking off for me art-wise, you know. And um, so I, yeah, like I said, I was included in shows and everything, and I was. Included in around 1969, around the same period, my mom, because I was a Charles White fanatic, as I told you earlier, yeah. and my mom called Otis and said that she wanted me to meet Charles White. And so my mom actually talked to Charles White and said, tell him to come down Saturday. We have a you know a class here, and I'd like to see his work. So he looked at my work, and uh, he was like, wow, you know. <laughs> and he said, just a minute. And so he went into the other room and he brought back two teachers. The one founder, Bill Terra, who was the founder of the program, it was called Tudor Art Program. Okay. And another co founder of the program, Bill Pajo. Ah, okay. So they came in, saw my work, said he's in, you know, and it was a Saturday program. And it says, the, our only concern is that, you know, we have nudes. It's a life-drawing class. It says, not, no problem there, because I've been <laughs> drawing nudes, you know, since I was 12 years old anyway. Okay. Studio Watts Workshop. Yes. And so uh, once that began, um, you know, like I said, it just continued to grow and grow. And um, there were a lot of really good people in the classroom, one of which my first teacher was uh, John Riddle. John Riddle, who John Riddle. passed away, by the way, in 2002. Uh, he art. had a major impact on me, you know, uh, as well. He's Bill, like I said, Bill taught the class as well. But another, another person who taught the class and who was, who to this day has become a really good friend of mine, he's like my big brother, is George Evans. Ah, uh, George. George Evans uh, turned me on to Marcel Duchamp. He took groups of us to go out and sketch and take photographs, and uh, I can't say enough about George. He's he's like Charles White. He's he's a fine artist, but he's also 
a fine teacher as well, too. He's almost like a natural teacher, you know. Yeah. And uh, that Tutor Art program, uh, he did a second version of that program uh, and a program that he had at the firehouse at Wendell's old place, oh. you know. And I was using that as a studio. And a lot of students that he had working there were pretty good, pretty talented. And he says, you know, I want some of these kids to work with you. And so uh, he says, yeah, sounds good. He said, no, they're not ready yet. Let me get them ready, you know. <laughs> and he did. He got them ready. And they actually worked on some pretty high-profile uh, projects there with me. So. And so this was – I was telling uh, – I was telling – I was talking about this a little bit earlier about the firehouse, mm-hmm. which was close to the Golden State Mutual Insurance. Yeah, exactly. In, in yeah. distance. And was a historic landmark and run by Wendell Collins. Oh, uh, yeah, master. Wendell. Master printer, right? Master printer and just really incredible person. I actually did a painting of him uh, for a show I had back in 2005, you know. Uh-huh. And, um, oh, yeah, he was incredible. It was a real welcoming place. I mean, professional artists could work there like myself, you know. So it was, it was you know, that whole time period was, was really good. And that's why I had mentioned uh, uh, when I talked about George, because George has – to this day, helped me on major, major projects, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so so once I got through the Otis program, to backtrack a little bit, um, I then went to uh, UCLA. And talk about how that happened. I was in a show at the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion. And I was too young to go. So my parents went oh, <laughs> in wow. my place, you know. Wow. And so there was this guy who was staring at my work because I had work in the show, and he was looking at it. And so my parents, you know, they felt kind of proud. They went over to him and said, well, um, you know, he says, business, business. Yeah, he says, you know, my son did this. He says, your son did that? Where is he? I want to meet. He says, well, he couldn't come. He's too young, you know. So wait a minute, how, how old were you at the time? I was about 14. Okay. Yeah, 14 years old. And so the guy turned out to be Franklin Murphy, you know, who was chancellor at UCLA at the time, and is also, you know, the owner of the, uh, LA Times too, I believe. Oh wow! And so that happened. He says, "You know, I got we got to get him at UCLA. I want you to meet. Uh, I want you to meet a friend friend of mine." And he introduced me to uh, CZ Wilson, you know, and who was the vice chancellor at UCLA at that time. And he's also a very good friend of my family to this to this day. And any, anyway, as a result of that, it was a precursor to going there. But also, uh, myself and a good friend of mine, the late artist Guillermo Anderson who's my same age, uh-huh. we were invited to create a mural for the Afro-American Study Center at UCLA. And so we did it, you know, and it was great because, like I said, we took the bus every day from Compton to UCLA. <laughs> and it was great because uh, it really established that, you know, that you could actually have a career in doing art, but also we wanted to become a part of, uh, of the college environment. As well, too, and so that really kind of fostered uh, early um, um, feelings for me to do so. So, was that your first mural? Uh, no, the first mural was the White Chocolate. Uh, oh, okay. Oh, so that remained. That wasn't just a no, 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 no. But I mean, I mean, that's what I call technically it. speaking. Technically yeah. speaking, it was got like it. a mural. Okay, got it. It was my first public art piece. Let's public put it art. that way. Got it. Yeah. Okay. But uh, no, the first mural I actually did was after I got into UCLA, and. Um, my junior year, I was showing at places. I mean, I had, like, some representation and everything. I had, like, you know, I was at uh, Heritage Gallery, Ben Horowitz, and I also showing at, at Ankrum Gallery, too. You know? uh, okay. Yeah, and so I was showing work. But 
I was kind of um, kind of barred by the fact that a lot of the work that I was doing might not necessarily uh, be seen or given access to people who might not have the money to go to a museum or a gallery. Ah. So I did my first mural in 1976, and it was through a program uh, with Brockman Gallery. Okay. And it was a mural program. And we did a series of murals, and and that was the first piece for me. And I used, like, old brushes, you know, house brushes and everything else. You mean brushes that a person would use to paint, like, regular paint? paint. I used house paint or whatever I get my hands on. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. And this is before the concept of public art was, like, such a big deal. Yeah. And But I just wanted to put works of, of art where people actually live. Well, that's interesting too. So the so Brockman Gallery was involved. How, what did they just organize it? How, how did that work? Yeah, yeah, they administered the program, and there were a lot of artists. Joe Sims was in it. Um, wow, there's a lot. I mean, you name it, people yeah. were there. You know, Houston Conwell. You know, was, oh wow, yeah, it was like a lot, lot of artists. You know, I think Farnett did a piece. You know, and um, yeah, it was you know it was quite a wonderful uh, program actually, and it. A lot of artists to work, you know. Sure. And it was it became a precursor to uh, Alonzo uh, administering the uh, Olympics program, mural program mm-hmm. for uh, 1984. Oh, you know, okay. Freeways, you know. Yeah, so yeah. He was in charge of that too. So. Did you Did you happen to do? Any yeah, I did. For I did that? a couple of murals for that as well too. So, so that's 1976 was a, was a pivotal year for me to do that. But my first actual commission came in 1979. And that was with the Compton Unified School District. And I did a series of murals um, on, you know, the people that lived there, population. And I also did a piece honoring John Otterbridge because he was one of the co-founders of uh, uh, the Communicative Arts Academy there in Compton. He started that along with Judson Powell and Noah Purifoy. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to uh, do something that saluted him. And by the way, there's like a really good article in um, – this month's uh, June 1st, uh, New York Times, and it's called In Compton. Uh, it's by Melissa Smith. Okay. And it's June 1st in New York Times. So the June 1st, New York Times? New York Times. It's called In Compton, are the artists that paved the way for a generation of black artists, I believe, or something like that. <laughs> About that place, you know? Fantastic. And by the way, let's uh, let's encourage everybody to, to look that up, the New York Times, yeah. June 1st. Uh, yeah, yeah. Melissa uh, Smith did a really good job. Melissa Smith, mm-hmm. fantastic. Yeah. 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 What attracted you to, because it seems like the predominant um, output for your art is in figurative form, and it's almost like photorealistic. Uh, what, what attracted you to that way of, um, expressing well, yourself. Uh, for me, a lot of the early work that I did was really expressive. Mm. And I mean, I even had abstract pieces and collages and everything else. Oh, okay. And I have an appreciation for a lot of different art. Just because I do one particular thing doesn't mean that, I, you know, I like conceptual art. I like installation work. I like all kinds of artwork. You know, I, just, I love art. So yeah. That's what I do. But for me, and it's sort of a result of having uh, to work on projects for a long period of time, like murals and stuff. It forces you to slow down. Mm-hmm. And what happens uh, when I slow down, uh, it forces me, it forces me to see a lot more, a lot more information. You know? Yes. And what happens is when you work on a piece, like for instance, a mural could take, you know, a couple of months, half a year, you know, like Capitol records took about, you know, six months, you know. Mm-hmm. And then when I redid it, that took like over a year to do it. 
And what happens is, is when you work on a project over a period of time, uh, your attitude changes, you know, sure. from day to day, and it's reflected in the work. Yes. I can't explain how it is, but people pick up on that, you know. So so that that's why I turned to doing kind of realistic stuff. And also, when you look at my work closely, it's really quite abstract, you know. Well, you yeah. know, the funny thing, I'm glad you bring that up, though, because a lot of folks, I don't think, uh, appreciate that. If you think about art, I always like to present it like it's a spectrum. Mm-hmm. So uh, almost all art, even the photorealistic, is some degree abstract, right? Because oh, yeah, it's, 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 it's just not like a camera taking a picture. Even the camera taking a picture sometimes. Right. Is, is well, I like, I like illusion. I mean, I, I've used photographs for, as, in terms of a reference. I prefer to work from life, though. Yes. You know, because it's... Uh, it's Working from life, you get that three-dimensional quality to the work, and I like to sometimes bring that quality into my drawings or, or my paintings. Yes. And, um, yeah, it's just something that, a path that I chose to, to to take. Like I said, I've done installations. I've done all kinds of work. Yeah, sure. And artists that, some of my favorite artists, people like David Havins, you know. Who oh, yeah. Goes, like, next to Charles White is me. <laughs> Every time I see him, I, I says, you know, he's – you are Thelonious Monk in visual art. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And I mean, yeah. he's, he's obviously well, and, and deservedly so, well oh, yeah. recognized. Yeah, uh, doesn't talk in, a lot about his work. Yeah. Very uh, quiet, but he's like, he has a great sense of humor. And uh, he, he's, he's, he's good people. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, I had some, the opportunity to spend some time with him in New York back in um, 2018. But they, he, he started out here in L.A., right? I yeah, mean, he did. He started in L.A. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I know, I always think of them as being associated with John Riddle and those guys, Outer Bridge. Didn't they all sort of... Um, uh, yeah, the yeah, they all Alonzo came out of the same. I think he went to the uh, Chouinard, which is now CalArt. Yeah. Th- in fact, I think he went with George, you know. Oh, okay. And, and his uh, late wife, Annie. I think he, uh, he went to school with them. Okay. And but, you went to Chouinard, right? Or no? Uh, no, no. I went to I went to UCLA. Oh, okay. Yeah. You, oh, so you never took any classes at Chouinard? Well, on Saturdays, I used to take classes at Chouinard. Oh, okay. But at that tutor art program that I mentioned that was, you know, sponsored incidentally by Golden State. You know, oh, okay. The class where they invited all the kids from all over. Um, whenever they had vacation or the school shut down, then we had access to all the schools. We go to Chouinard. Oh. We go to uh, Art Center, which at the time was on 3rd Street. You know? uh-huh. In fact, I remember this one... This one story where, um, you know, back in the day, you're talking about the late 60s, yeah. performance art was known as happenings. You know, it wasn't, oh. <laughs> it wasn't like performance <laughs> art, they were happenings. Okay. And so they had this big happening with all the students in this one classroom at Chouinard, you know, with the psychedelic lights and the music and everything. And they uh-huh. had these models dancing to music and they were nude. And, and people were painting the models and everything, you uh-huh. know. And so me and my buddy were painting. We're like 13, 14. We're painting the model too, you know. <laughs> and I think the uh, the head of the school came and looked and said, what are these kids doing? <laughs> and so uh, George, who, by the way, George Evans is the one who, who brought us over there. He yeah. says, well, look at their work, you know. And so it's all work. And did that? Well, cal- I guess yeah. I guess they, they calm could them stay. down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we had access to to a lot of different. Uh, schools. What a great opportunity that sounds yeah, like. Yeah, it really was. It, you know, at an early stage, we really worked hard. By the way, Carrie Marshall uh, was one of the students in that class, too. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, so it was like a lot of talent. Mark Greenfield. Oh, okay. Um, I'm trying to think who else. Um, 
buddy Kirk Silsby, who's now a really good writer, has been doing so for quite a while. Um, George, as I said, was the teacher. And we, and we just had so many people uh, in that class that were really good and who are doing really well now. Well, I'm happy to say, by the way, we were very fortunate to have George as a guest on our podcast as uh, Mark Greenfield as well. So, Oh, great. Yeah, yeah that's great. Man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we, we go way... Way back, man. That's great. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. <laughs> but, you know, it really instilled in us to, uh, to really work hard, you know, on what you do and in your practice. And well, the other thing that I'm getting yeah. is that it also seems to be like this um, sharing of, of knowledge and, and feedback and so forth and helping each other out. That's oh, a, yeah. It's yeah. very impressive to, I mean, to spe- see that. Especially during that period. I mean, yeah. you know, because you had like um, – with the Black Arts Council and stuff, I mean, you had, like, all these artists. Anytime an artist had a show, I mean, everybody was there. Yeah, like Betty Saar and, yeah. you know, David Hammonds and Timothy Washington, John Riddle, Otterbridge. It was like a really close-knit, uh, you know, thing, which was um, finally brought out in that exhibition. Um, Soul of a Nation? No, not Soul of a Nation, the one before that, the one Kelly Jones did. Oh, Oh, I know Pacific Standard Time. Oh no, that wasn't not Pacific that Standard Time. <laughs> I'm missing all of them. <laughs> it was uh, now. Dig this. Ah, there we go. Now, now dig, dig this. this. Yeah, right, right, right. And so, uh, you know that that whole time period was finally acknowledged. You know, here was all this talent. Yeah. You know, and I was fortunate enough to be around all this talent at an early age. Yes, and I just absorbed it all. You know, you know. And and in I- fact, when we. Uh, like I said, when I spent time with David in New York back in 2018, you know, I said, to, I said, you know, it's really nice to be able to talk to you as an adult, yeah. you know, because I was just like this kid then, you know, and I didn't yeah. really know him, you know, and, and it was really nice, you know, and to come full circle, so to speak, you know, and, and tell him how important he he was to, you know, to a whole generation of artists, you know, oh, myself, you know. That's fantastic, and the names you 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 named: Kerry James Marshall, David Hammonds. Oh, yeah. All and these are they were all students of Charles White. We Charles. were all students of Charles White. Yeah, yeah. Kerry James Marshall, David Hammonds, um, Judith Hernandez, Kent Twitchell, Ulysses Jenkins, uh, Suzanne Jackson. You know, oh yeah, and all these these people that were were at Otis. At right? Otis, yeah. yeah. At some point in time, we were at Otis, you know. And he was Charlie was just a tremendous. Influencing me in life. You know? I was going to ask you about your memories about uh, Charles. Oh, White. How, how do you? Is there some sort of? Is there any standout uh, recollection you have of him? Yeah, Charlie was the most down to earth person on the planet, man. <laughs> you know, he was real accessible. You know, students could talk to him about anything. You know, I mean, in fact, uh, you know, not only art. I mean, I think I introduced him to my first girlfriend. Oh, know? no kidding. <laughs> yeah. And that was nice. It was really a nice thing. And um, But, you know, he was such a uh, fine artist, but he was also, like I say, just as fine as a teacher. He was just he was a great teacher. teacher. See, that's the thing. Sometimes Real inspiration. you could be good at something mm-hmm. and not be that good at teaching what it is you're good at. Mm-hmm. But he sounds like he has the he had the ability to do both. Yeah. And that show that Ian put together you know, which traveled from, you know, showing his work, the Charles White retrospective, uh-huh. which went from Chicago to New York to back here to L.A. at the L.A. County. I saw I saw that show. Yeah. I mean, it, it Ian did a wonderful job on, on his dad's legacy. I mean, yeah. he really, really uh, he put a lot of hard work into it. Yeah. And uh, 
the results were very fruitful. You know, and we should say Ian is himself an artist. Oh yeah, yeah. Ian is a really fine artist. You know, yeah. and he's actually construct worked on projects with me and and constructed some stuff for me. You know, when I oh. needed canvases, stuff constructed and stuff. And um, um, he's been involved in, I've, you know, because I've known them, he and Jessica since, since they were little kids, kids right? Yeah. Right. So he's been involved in a lot of projects, you know, uh, for me and stuff. And I use like a lot of artists too, you know, in, in my projects that I do, especially the public art projects because they're fun. I mean, when you're in the studio, you just work and you're by yourself and, you know, mm -hmm. but it's really fun to work on public art projects, you know, because I do get to invite a group of artists, most of them, which are friends, people like George and, uh, one of my best collaborators, artist May Sun from Hong Kong, who I met actually at UCLA in oh, 1976. Really? Incredible work. Oh. And we started off doing work projects at UCLA, you know. And um, it, wor it worked out really well. And then I didn't see her for a while. She graduated. And then I ran into her again, and, and we started uh, keeping in contact. And we worked on some projects together, one of which was Union Station. Uh, our project called City of Dreams, River of History. Was that recent? Oh, it was done in 1996. Uh, 96. But it's been like all, it's been filmed a lot and everything. And, and uh, I did a mural there and she developed a sculpture and an aquarium there too. And the aquarium is full of indigenous fish to California. Because on most of those projects, my projects and my group projects that I work on, there's a tremendous amount that goes into researching history, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I always like to research the site to see what happened at the site uh, at any one point in time. And at that particular site at Union Station, it was like the original site for Chinatown. Mm -hmm. You know, it was also close to LA River. You know, it was the site where they had the, uh, some of the first Angelinos, uh, which the Los Pobladores, oh. and they were black and Spanish. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So, so there's like so much that goes into that. And know. did you incorporate that in? The, oh yeah, in incorporate the that on up to contemporary life as well too. You oh, know, wow. I just include people from now in LA too. So. Oh okay. So you know, I try to uh, to keep it inclusive. And people could go to the Union Station and see. Oh that yeah, you today, can see right? it anytime. Oh yeah, you can see it anytime. You know, it's uh, it's been there like I said since 1996. Man. Oh wow, <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And then that was that was one project worked on me, and then. Uh, in 2010, we worked on another project. Uh, we were invited to submit a proposal for the new RFK school, and it was this pocket park there. And so we decided to do a piece that was honoring uh, Robert F. Kennedy. You know. Oh, okay. And, and so we got the project, and they loved our concept. And uh, we had a uh, meeting, and we actually got to meet his son. You know. Oh, no so, kidding. Yeah, yeah, Max Kennedy. Uh -huh. And his wife, Vicky. And uh, they made, uh, you know, our research a dream, you know, because. So they, they helped they, you out, basically. Oh, and they sent us to, to Boston, to the uh, JFK Library. And that's where they hold all Robert Kennedy's pa uh, papers and photographs. It's like walking into a large photo album, you know. No way. Yeah, yeah. So we did a lot of research there. And you incorporated all that, obviously. Oh yeah, the, I mean the, the research and the, and the final form we incorporated. And this is this is in Los Angeles, right? Yeah, it's in Los Angeles, and it's on uh, Wilshire Boulevard. It's at the new RFK School, which I think it opened up in 2010. Oh, okay. Yeah. So. 
I remember, by the way, you did a lovely, um, relatively small pencil portrait of Robert F. Kennedy. Yeah. If I remember correctly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Robert yeah. Kennedy. And yeah, because I do a lot of studies and do a lot of drawings. And I've been doing a lot of drawings since now, since uh, 2019. Mm-hmm. And I've fallen back in love with drawing again. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, so. <laughs> so as opposed to, you mean, just doing the murals before? or, or uh, Yeah, or even public art. Because a lot of the public art, like, for instance, the Kennedy Project, that wasn't a mural. That was, we used, like, recycled glass, uh, LED lights, uh, stone. Oh, no oh, yeah, it's like a whole different different how, materials. How was that? How was working with Oh, it's great. You know, it's really great. Because that's why I like working with, with uh, Artist May Sun, because we think out of the box and we're real compatible in terms of, you know, our vision and what we want to do. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we take chances in terms of what we want to work with and materials we want to work with. Oh, I love it. I love yeah, it. That's yeah. a, that's a great, uh, that's a yeah. great thing. Oh, yeah. Cause uh, in talking with other artists and not just uh, visual artists, but musicians as well, sometimes uh, you kind of need that opportunity to kind of step outside of, uh, what you're used to doing and what people expect you to do. Oh yeah. To, all the time. I do it all the time. Find, find new, new ways to express that, yourself. That's right. Uh, and I, like I said, I do it all the time because it's, uh, you know, uh, you, you, I like to explore different media, Yeah, you know, different kind of concepts and ways of thinking about art, where the art is going to be placed, you know. Uh, Have you ever tried sculpture? Uh, no, I've never. I mean, I've done some, but not like on the order of a Charles Dixon. Or, <laughs> oh, my God. Charles or, Dixon. You know, Artist Lane oh, yeah. or, or oh, yeah. you know, or Timothy Washington. I yeah. mean, those guys are like. Oh, it's just amazing. Just amazing work, man. <laughs> you know what I remember when William Pajot bringing up uh, Pajot, he um, showed me uh, Charles Dixon made him an artist table. Did you ever see that? It was in uh, no. Pajot's studio. No. Uh, oh my God! He yeah. hand carved the legs, and oh, it was just an amazing work of art. Yeah. But it was also utilitarian. He could use it. Oh yeah, I mean for Charles the Dixon that he de- designed is, it. is amazing. In fact, my dad. Uh, he worked for the LA school school board. He used to trim trees and stuff, and he would save a lot of the wood for people like Charles and Dale Davis. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Yeah. So that that was their raw material. Oh yeah, to make oh stuff. yeah, definitely. Uh, I love it. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. That reminds me. One time I was with Elizabeth Catlett at, in Mexico. This was when I was trying to convince her to be the first exhibiting artist in my gallery, mm-hmm. and she was kind enough that she and her husband to invite me in their home. And I never forget they were taking me out that day. And on the way back, I went to lunch, and on the way back, there was this big tree trunk. I don't know, it must have been maybe three feet Mm -hmm. uh, tall and maybe two feet in diameter or maybe even more than that. Right. And they needed my help to lift it into the station wagon. Mm -hmm. And I was just imagining that that, we had the bark on it and everything. Right, right. I was just thinking, she's going to turn that into some beautiful female form. Oh, exactly. That you would just want to caress. Oh, yeah. Irresistibly, right? It was just. Incredible work. So when you you said that about providing the. Oh, yeah. I mean. Woods that you're cutting from trees and stuff to these artists. I mean, the forms that they pull out of it. It's just. It's just 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 phenomenal. It's just amazing. It's phenomenal to see that. Oh, yeah. The transformation is remarkable. Yeah. And like I said, I've been fortunate enough to work with a lot of really. um, fine art is from from a different generation like Charlie and then yeah. uh, Bill Paggio, yeah. uh, John Scott, New Orleans, John Biggers. In fact, you know, I, I don't know if I've ever mentioned to you, but I used to be involved in music as well, too. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. I used to write and produce. Uh, I worked for Freddie Perrin back in the uh, 70s, and Freddie Perrin was uh, the hit producer that, you know, 
uh, <clears throat> worked with the Jackson Five and oh my God. Morris and Gloria Gaynor. I mean, just, you know, I always say more hits than Albert's got grits, man. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I was fortunate enough to work with him as well, too. Oh, excellent. Yeah. So what, what kind of stuff were you composing? Well, it was basically a lot of dance, R&B yeah. uh, uh, music. But I mentioned that because uh, around 1986, we were working on a song for uh, the group New Edition. Okay. Yeah, we, we did a, a song on a, for a soundtrack album. So they flew us out to, uh, this is in New Orleans. Ah. And it just so happened, I was told Bill, yeah, I'm going to go to New Orleans. Said, yeah, we're going to be out there that week. So after we, we recorded, I would hang out with like with John Biggers, John Scott. Oh, my God. And, <laughs> and Will Pajot. And Pajot. Because Pajot's yeah. obviously from New Orleans. Yeah. Same thing with he, Scott, With right? John Scott. Yeah. And just, those guys are just really just incredible. Yeah. And inspirational oh, at yeah. the same time. You know, I mean, John Scott. I mean, there's a reason why he got that Genius Award. You know? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, he's brilliant. 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 And, 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 and so versatile. Oh. I mean, on one hand, I've seen, I've seen pieces that are photorealistic. On the other hand, he's working with metal. Yeah, he was making paper out of, like, Levi's and old jeans. Oh, my God. That's just <laughs> And a, he taught us how to do that, and his son was working there, there too. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, yeah. That was a really uh, – it was a memorable time and a memorable uh, trip because his daughters were like big fans of New Edition, right? Oh my so he god! So says, you know, my daughters, you know, they want to see if you, if you can get tickets or else. Oh, sure, just you know, I'll, I'll get how many you need. Yeah, you know. And so we arranged. They came and arranged to meet him backstage and everything. Oh my god, it must have been a thrill. Oh, for them. it was like the limo. <laughs> you know? Oh my god, and they got it was like you were the probably whole, the whole, you, the your, whole your stock went way up in their yeah, in their minds, yeah, right? Yeah, but. Uh, you know, I, anything for 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 John, oh, his yeah. family. He was he was an incredible person. Yeah. Uh, you know, I I never met him, but I sort of uh, heard a lot about oh. him through Pajot. Oh yeah, they were very close. Yeah. By the way, he had. Did you ever see Pajot has? He framed it. Uh, John Scott wrote him a letter. Oh in, yeah. In calligraphy, mm -hmm. I have never in my life seen anything so beautiful. Oh yeah. His, his work was was really uh, and such a wide variety of work as well too. That's the thing that's so impressive. Yeah, and he was a professor at Xavier. Yeah, and yeah. So he really um, he was phenomenal. Yeah, phenomenal. So back to the music though. So are you still? I'm curious to know. Are you still? Every once in a writing? while, you know, I'll, I'll put down like the kids call them beats or whatever. You know. Oh, okay. Yeah, but do you, you know, do you, but do I work with groups like, like I say I work with Silvers. Okay. Who are incredible. I mean, they're uh, that family group i mean yeah. they have like the richest sound you know yeah in terms of harmony and blending and, yeah yeah and uh leon silvers who was pretty much the, the mastermind behind that group yeah who went on to become a, a fantastic producer and arranger and he's worked with all kinds of artists on his own as well too uh -huh. but i did uh, a song for them actually a couple songs for them uh tavares wow Wow. That's actually my first production and arrangement job was with Tavares, you know. So are you writing the lyrics? Or no, no, no. I do the music. The music itself. Yeah. In fact, that was like an invent uh, of like drum machines and all that stuff. So I would write a lot of my songs like that. Okay. In program. And then I would bring in the real musicians to play. You know? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, fantastic, man. Yeah. yeah. So I did. I mean, strings and everything. You no know? way. And I don't read. I just, I could hear it though. Uh, but it's funny because when I think about music and when I, when I create music, it's like, to me, it's like painting. Mm -hmm. You know, when I hear music, I see colors. 
Oh. I hear colors. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's why, uh, to me, art and music are so closely linked. You know, I mean, you think about like you know, like somebody like Miles Davis who oh, had yeah. like Coltrane and oh, Herbie Hancock in his group at one yeah. time. Yeah, and that's the feeling that I take or strategy that I use often when I do my public art projects. I try to bring in like really good artists to help help me on these projects. And I, tr- and I work out where they could, you know, there's a budget for them and stuff too. I love that analogy, by yeah, the way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, so, um, and the language used to describe music sometimes, I mean, excuse, excuse me, used to describe art sometimes uses um, musical terms like rhythm and, and, right. and things like that. You know, there's well, a certain rhythm to a work and, feel and all that it's just incredible the interconnectivity oh yeah i mean (laughs) one art teacher at school i remember he asked me who my favorite painter was and i said mccoy tyner (laughs) (laughs) right right how is that even possible right yeah yeah i couldn't explain it to him yeah yeah it's you know they wouldn't get it (laughs) well you know and there was there was an artist i don't know if you ever knew him uh william mcneil he was a I don't know if he was from LA, but he was based in LA. He passed away, but um, he told me that when he painted, he was an abstract painter. He would play Miles and John Coltrane and various musicians that he admired and so forth mm-hmm. as a way to kind of it was like a meditation, and he was kind of like interpreting that and putting it on the canvas. Well, a lot of those artists were, you know, Jackson Pollock and all those guys. I mean, and smack dab in the middle of that was Norman Lewis. Oh yeah, who you know. Until recently, you know, received no. <laughs> this is true. This is true. You yeah. know, I actually had a chance to meet his daughter, but he was a major figure in that movement. Oh yeah, abstract expressionism. You know, it, yeah. And a lot of the influence came from directly from jazz. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, they say that about Kandinsky as well. That. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah. The, the main thing, in fact, he openly spoke about it. Like right, that, right. That well, uh, the jazz, he was spontaneous. He was. Flow, that kind of a thing. Oh, yeah. He's using terms like that to describe his method and his inspiration for his uh, abstractions. Oh, yeah. I mean, like when I talk about Charles White, it's like to me, he's like the Miles Davis who, you know, oh, yeah. inspired so many different generations of artists. And like when I think of David, I think of Monk. Yeah, no, that, I <laughs> think know? that's a beautiful analogy. Yeah. The only yeah. Monk and David yeah. Anderson. Yeah. Because they occupy that same kind of space. Yeah, sure. Know, uh, which, um, you know, unless you're into jazz, you, you wouldn't, you, I, well, I'm sure you do. You understand that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I love Miles Davis yeah, and yeah. all the names you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Charlie Parker. Mm-hmm. Um, one time, it was so funny, uh, I was watching this the thing of Charlie Parker. They said he would be super high, for example. Oh, yeah. And the minute he grabs his saxophone, it's as if he transformed himself. Oh, yeah. You would think he wouldn't have the ability to play. Well, his, I mean... Yeah. Because he was high, but well, it, it came out. The way that he played, though, I mean, he was playing these beautiful chords, you know. Yeah, he influenced yeah. people like Coltrane and, you know, I mean, he influenced so many people. Oh, you and know, including and, Miles Davis. You were oh, talking about yeah. Him. yeah. And his, um, one of my favorite albums by him is uh, Charlie Parker with, with Strings. Man, that stuff is incredible. Yeah. Incredible stuff, you know. Speaking of jazz, when I was working on the Capitol Records Mill, you know, this is back in 1991 when I first painted it. Mm-hmm. I was working on Jerry Mulligan. I was working on his face. Okay. I was listening to Jerry Mulligan, and Jerry Mulligan pulled up. 
No way. Yeah, he pulled up. Oh, my and God. I spent about an hour talking with him and stuff like that. that and, I, been... and I kept in contact with him. But, you know, he had no idea it was there. Oh, my goodness. It was strictly a coincidence. Yeah, yeah he was there for, uh, I think it was Playboy Jazz Festival during that oh, time. Oh, okay. So, you know, it was. It was it, and Jerry Mulligan, the saxophone player, is what we're talking about, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah, right. Uh-huh. Wow, what a coincidence! That must have yeah. been that must have been like a a, yeah. a major it, thing for you too. It was almost like a divine you, intervention. Man, my life, <laughs> it's almost like Forrest Gump, man. You know, I just <laughs> sort of fall into these different. Uh, <laughs> That's awesome, though. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Wow, man. So you said, didn't I hear you say you had to actually redo it? But something. Uh, yeah. What happened is it's a south facing wall, and because of the UV, UV rays that affect you know paint and yeah. It just broke it down. Sun is 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 brutal on south facing walls, yeah, you know. Yeah, right. And so um, I said, well, instead of repainting it, why don't we redo it in tile, ceramic tile, which will last a long, much longer time, and I don't I don't have to do it the same way because I couldn't do it the same way in 1999. Of course, you're a different yeah. artist. Like now. I said, it's like Miles; he's not going to play it the same way. Oh no, of course. Yeah. That's the beauty of yeah, it. Right? Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so I I chose uh, ceramic tile as my. Uh, Excellent. Yeah. And what, what made you go in that direction as opposed to some other direction? Well, because I enjoy that process. Okay. It's a real tricky process because, uh, you know, there's really very little room for error in that, in that uh, process. Because if a color doesn't come out right, you have to redo the whole towel. You know, or if the towel cracks, you have to, do, you know, it's like real, it's very labor intensive. So can you give a sort of a basic description of how it would work? Uh, in other words, um, so... Each, first of all, how big were the tiles? Are they uniform in size? Or? Yeah, the tiles are like around uh, 12 by 12 inches. Oh, okay. A little less because they leave room for grout, but I don't use grout because I like the, uh, the form to continue. I like the image to go. So there's no space, basically. They're butted no, up against no, each other. butted up right up against each oh, other. Oh, okay. And so you've got to divide the image up into all those different yes, spots. Yes, I, I use a grid. Oh, you okay. know? And what happened is, is that I had a photo image of my... Uh, you know, the first original piece that I did at Capitol. Okay. And I broke it down into color forms. Oh, okay. And that um, it was my approach to doing that. And so you have to glaze because the colors that you use on glazes, uh, they're not the same. They may not necessarily look. You may have a color that looks gray, but when it's fired, it's like yellow or green or something like that. So, so you wow. have to really know your, your colors. I you was going to say you'd have to understand how it'll end up. Oh, yeah. Because it's not going to end up the same way it starts, Oh, right? no. No, not at all. Yep, you, you have to be really on top of that. It was. It took over a year to do. Oh my god! Yeah, because it was like two thousand, about twenty eight hundred tiles. You know? Good lord, yeah. that sounds like. And a... did a lot more than that because there were breakages and wrong colors and <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah. Wow, that sounds that sounds amazing. Though. Yeah, yeah. Now it makes me want to go and see yeah, it again. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's up there. You can... And will that make it more durable? Then will it yeah, hold up? Yeah, it makes up? it durable and it holds up. To the sunlight, you know, and it's easily, uh, easily maintained, and it holds up uh, really well. You know, the colors don't fade or anything. It's, oh, that's fantastic! Yeah, yeah. So it's it's there. <laughs> fantastic! Well, now I'm yeah. definitely going to go and check yeah. it out oh, again. Yeah. And oh, I'm yeah. a- I'm asking everybody listening and viewing to do the same. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So, so what was what is the most recent uh, mural you you did? Well, uh, the most recent mural I did actually is another <laughs> by chance. Uh, oh, no kidding. Yeah, yeah. I was having lunch. So I'm sitting at the bar having my, my lunch and everything. Yeah. And this young lady was like reading this book, you know. And I said, that must be an interesting book. You know, I just start, we start, struck up a conversation. 
and we're talking. And says, yeah, so and so. I said, I'm an art. She's, I'm an art teacher. You know. Oh no way. Yeah, and so we talked a long time, exchanged information, and she called me up a few months later and said, Would you be interested in doing an apprenticeship program at Los Angeles High School? You know. And I said, yeah, it sounds pretty good, as long as the students are serious. Okay. Sure. Yeah, because I don't want to babysit. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of yeah. course not. Right. And so um, so that, that, that worked out. That was the mural that I did, and the mural was uh, about uh, Ray Bradbury, who was an alumnus from the school. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, he went to the school. And so the theme of the mural was his book, uh, Fahrenheit. Uh, oh, one of his most famous. Yeah, yeah. And so we did that, and it turned out to be a really big deal. I mean, there was an article written on it. And for the unveiling, his daughter came to the unveiling and spoke. Oh, how nice. And she was in tears when she saw it. I can only imagine. So that was the latest mural. That was like 2016. 16, okay. And since then, I've just been doing a lot of, um, you know, like work, the gallery stuff works. Like last year, um, you know, especially because of the pandemic and all. Mm. Um, 2020 was pretty much just New York. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> yeah, I had some, a couple of shows with uh, Salon 94 Gallery in New York. Okay. And uh, that was a really nice experience. She was, well, a solo exhibit or a part no, of No, no, these are group, group exhibitions. Group shows, okay. Yeah. yeah, but there were small groupings. It was like me and uh, Timothy Washington and oh. like a few other people. Oh, cool. Yeah, like groups of five and six. Oh, okay. And so I did a piece there and then also had a piece, a couple of pieces at London Freeze. So, yeah, like I said, after that Charles White, you know, retrospective, man, I just fell in love with drawing again. Oh, that's fantastic. Remember the reason why, why, well, why that's, I did it. Well, that shows like a, a, almost like a full circle with yeah, Char- yeah. Charles White inspiring you as oh, a younger yeah, person and yeah. now recently. And it's, and it's weird because I was talking to Ian about that. I says, you know, it's like, I mean, he's he was. He passed away in 79, and yeah. now with this show, he's still, like, inspiring generations and ins- inspiring us. That's know? beautiful. <laughs> yeah. And and speaking of Kerry James Marshall, I saw in the in the uh, the really nicely done catalog, uh, he wrote a forward, oh, to an yeah. introduction, he, I think. He wrote a really good piece. In fact, they uh, reprinted printed that uh, his article in the uh, Paris Review, too. Oh, okay. So, he's, uh, so what other things are you working on now? Well, that's pretty much it. I'm working on a show. I'm supposed to have a show in January uh, at Steve Turner Gallery. I did one with him back in 2005, and he says, ah, let's do another show. So, oh, good. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. So, so that'll be coming up in January. Yeah, Everybody yeah. can look out for yeah, that. January 2020. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, And are, is it uh, work from the past, or are you currently Oh, no, this is new works. Brand new works. Oh, yeah, brand new works. Oh, excellent. Yeah. E- excellent. <laughs> Anything else you're looking forward to, like, in the future? Well, yeah, I, I really enjoy work, you know, uh, working with uh, Salon 94. Okay. Gallery is good. It's good. I enjoy that too. But um, other than that, uh, there is one project, which I can't talk too much about. Okay. Because they asked us not to. But, oh, sure. No but it involves uh, working with a dear friend and collect early collector of my work, Joy Simmons, Dr. Joy Simmons. Who was, by the way, a, yeah. a previous podcast. Yeah, too. really? Wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's great. Yeah. Yeah. She's fantastic. Small, oh, I love Joy. <laughs> She's, uh, we worked on a project. Uh, it was a Magic Johnson project. Oh. And we worked on that. And um, it was beautiful. Artwork was laid out. The architects were raw architect. You know, Steve Lott and all those oh, guys. Oh, yeah, I remember yeah. those guys. Yeah. yeah. And so it was perfectly, it fell through. But it wasn't because of us. You know, we yeah. had it, 
Magic loved it and everything else. Oh, cool. So it, it, but it didn't happen. Oh, so I said, Joy, well, I look forward to this one. You know, we'll make this one, this one happen. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Well, we'll be, once it's capable of being spoken about, we look forward to hearing oh, about yeah. it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it should, it should be pretty good. And, um, yeah, it's it's always fun working with John. I've known her a long time. What a... She's some of my favorite people. Too. Oh, my God. And she's been a staunch collector for years. Oh, and, yeah. You know, yeah. And, yeah. Since and, her college days, I think. You know? Yeah, she spoke about that, too. And uh, the thing about I like to let everybody know about is that in the art world, there's, there's all these different parts that make it make it happen, I think. And That's right. ob- obviously, the engine for behind it all are the artists themselves, their creativity and so forth. But it does require collectors and museums and and well, uh, galleries uh, and so forth. The whole exact, ecosystem is necessary to make it. Well, work. exactly. I mean, because, like I say, when I started, there was Tanner Gallery. Yeah. Then there was Brockman. Yes. And then it was you. Yeah. And I think now that you're the only one, only one left. Yeah. You know, from that, from that, from that era, from that yeah. group. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, it's um, it's so important, and I think that as an artist. It's really good when you can have a good connection with people who do, you know, uh, work with you and your work. You yeah. Know? And uh, like I say, it's always a pleasure working with, with, with them Hanks, you know. So. Thank you so much, Richard. <laughs> and you know what? That's a perfect segue. I want people to see and uh, un- know that in the past um, we did this uh, catalog. I'm going to reach for it now. Uh, this show actually goes back to 2009, but... That's a, a piece by uh, Richard uh, Wyatt on the cover there. And Roland, that, that Roland is, Welton. I was going to say, maybe yeah. you could, can you tell us a little yeah, bit about Yeah, Roland Welton is one of the first artists I met uh, at uh, Studio Watts Workshop back in the late 60s. Yeah. And he was real, real helpful. He's real good friends with Ruth Wadi. Ah. You know, and he was like real, one of those people who really inspired me as a, as a young ki- teenager. And so I did this piece of him. I, I did a mural of him, actually, too. But um, on this particular drawing, um, it pays homage to him. And it's, you know what, so it's so amazing because I, I get that feeling just from looking at it. So it's not, to me, it's not just a photorealistic rendition of, of, of him, but it's a very sensitive, and I can, I can kind of get the feeling of respect and reverence oh, yeah. you have for him yeah. in the drawing. That's what I go for in the work. You know, I'm... Like I see, I'm not in it. Photographic, like photorealism, photorealism it's yeah. like really flat, you know? Right. And I like more of a three-dimensional. three-dimensional or and you, defi- in the, and you definitely you know? achieve that in, yeah. in, in every piece I've ever seen. And then uh, you mentioned earlier about John, John Scott, and it's so funny because that's another image that was in that group show, and I just want to point it out because I get that same oh yeah feeling yeah, yeah. in that particular piece yeah, yeah. John Scott man. John I mean that's such a sensitively drawn beautiful yeah portrait I, of him I go through a lot of pencils <laughs> I was going to say <laughs> because you've got so much going on so much detail and so much shading and uh the you achieve that three-dimensional right I, I'm one of those element. artists who, who uh, I get obsessed with information yeah, information that I use that I decide on using. So I really spend a lot of time on the work. It's obvious. Yeah. I mean, because like even every single hair strand is very nicely uh, done and executed. Yeah, so those are those are wonderful. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, well, so many influences, man. You know, <laughs> and see, that's the other thing too. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it listening to you talk. It shows mm-hmm. how important it is 
to in the very beginning have some sort of initial um, support and inspiration, like you talked about your parents. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, the teacher, exactly. That librarian. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, it's amazing how that kind of all comes together. To, it's almost like providing a fertile ground for you to kind of grow as an artist. Yeah, and, it really is. Person. It's you know, especially if you're if your child, whatever your kid is interested in, you know, it could be music or. Yes you know, chemistry or whatever. Yes. You know, you want to encourage that, that kid in, in doing that. You don't want to like push them off in anything. Hey. You wait to see what their interest is. And then you, you know, like my daughters, they're very artistic, Oh, but they don't, you know, I, I wouldn't, you, you wouldn't know, push it on. No, them. no. I mean, I've had uh parent teacher conferences with, <laughs> with their art teachers. Says, yeah. your, your daughters are like really good. Yeah. I try and says, Oh really? You know, I oh. talk to them, you know, but uh, no, I wouldn't push it, push it on them. You know? That's a good point, yeah, by the way, yeah. because a lot of I think this is a mistake some some parents make, and I right. think I've, I have to control this in my own, in my own situation right, too. If right. I have two children, but you know, you want them. I know for whatever reason, my parents, for instance, mm-hmm. I don't know why this was the case, but it was very important for them that their kids learn how to play the clarinet. Right. None of us really wanted to play the clarinet. Right, right. <laughs> and so it never really flowered into anything. It never blossomed into anything. It's better, as you say, to observe and see which direction your child wants to go in. Exactly. Because well, any art form, contrary to what some folks may believe, it does require discipline and dedication and practice. And you're only going to be able to do that if you're doing something you really love. Exactly. If, if you see it as a chore and somebody's cracking the whip to force you to do it, it's just going to be something you'll resent work. and it will never blossom into anything. No, no. There was like a really good story uh, I'll share with you. They were interviewing uh, Oscar Peterson and the interviewer asked him, says, you know, how many hours do you practice a day? And he looked at the interviewer and says, practice? You mean how, how many hours do I play a day? Ah, uh, see? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, there's a difference between practice and Exactly. He was one of the finest pianists ever. Oh, yeah. No question about it. Yeah. So, you know, like right now, my grandson, my youngest grandson, you know, he's he's drawing. He's interested in art and music. That's awesome. That must be gratifying. My my oldest grandson, he's more, uh, you know, kind of scholar, but he loves basketball and he's like points point guard that's know, fantastic you know, yeah. so, that's fantastic i think that's beautiful yeah, and his, his parents are really good parents you know my daughter and then his, her husband who they're really they really good good parents that's fantastic good that's fantastic proud of them oh that's great that's great i know that has to be gratifying though. yeah it really is you yeah. know i mean to come uh, you know my oldest grandson is 12 and that was like the age that i started doing artwork yeah you know, so a lot of years, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Looking back on it, do you have any things that, uh, in addition to what you've already talked about, that kind of stand out? Um, There's so much. It's probably I, too much to grab I couldn't and, even, and to express at once, right? Yeah, I, I, I couldn't. I mean, it's. Um, I met and did an interview with the uh, young film director by the name of uh, Patrick Green. Uh-huh. And he's doing a documentary on Kobe Bryant. And it's called uh, Sincerely Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, the subject of the mural is a um, group of contemporary artists and muralists who use Kobe as their subject matter in their works. Okay. So he, And he wanted to interview me as a kind of a veteran muralist. And, oh, okay. And, and, and so that, that was really nice, you know, I mean, because it's, you know, I'm a major Kobe fan. And, and you're a Lakers fan too, right, as oh, I recall? Man. Same here. Yeah. And 
you know, that I was glad when 2020 was over. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What a shock. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, I, I, so I did the interview with him. So mm-hmm. I look forward to that. He also did a, um, a film on Bundini Brown that uh, d- is doing quite well in, in a lot of these art uh, film festivals and stuff. So, yeah, yeah look out for him. He's oh, fantastic. Yeah, film and music-wise, are you, are you working on anything currently? No, the last thing I did was actually was a sample that Nas did with uh, Mary J. Blige. Oh. And that was for his uh, Life is Good album. Okay. You know? And that was like the last thing. And I'm, I'm, I love Nas anyway. He's, yeah. I'm an Illmatic fan, you know, his album. So Very cool. And uh, so that was like the last thing, you know. It's, it's, it's a whole other generation now, man. I just, <laughs> I just <laughs> well, sit true. back and enjoy it now. No, no, no that's true. That's true. <laughs> I, f- I don't know if I asked. I'm sorry if I'm repeating myself, but do you, do you play the piano? What, yeah, you, I play the keyboards. play keyboards, uh, right? Yeah. Any other instruments? And, no, not really. I just play keyboards. And what's fortunate about that is that a lot of the uh, technology now will allow me to interface with like a lot of different applications, you know. Oh, sure. Like, you know, like strings or horns or whatever. And so I can pretty much lay out a composition the way that I want it to be laid out. And then if I uh, do go into studio, then I have like the basic framework and then add the revisitions to it to augment it. Oh, cool. Yeah. So it's, 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 it's amazing. Like to me, it's like music is like I say, it's another art form. It's just another medium. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same approach. And you know, when I'm like adding strings, whatever, it's like glazing or whatever paint, you know, yeah, I, I love that. I love that. Yeah. You know, the blend of yeah. the uh, the two different uh, oh, yeah. approaches, but oh, yeah. on different art forms, different ways to express. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, Richard, I want to say thank you again so much for sharing your perspective. Oh, thank you. It's been a fabulous thing, and it's nice to see you again, too. It's yeah, been a you while. too. It's been a while. Man. Yeah. Yeah. So once again, thanks a lot. And for everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe. Thank you. Mm-hmm.